This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello everyone, it's your favourite podcast host here, Joe Redman, just letting you know that the TalkSport Fan Network is now proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in-play betting. Watch the action, predict the action and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hello everyone and welcome along to a new episode in a new season of Turfcast Podcast with me, Joe Redmond, and are Burnley ready for the upcoming season? A new Premier League season kicks off this weekend as Burnley take on Brighton and Hove Albion at Turf Moor on Saturday at 3 o'clock, but with no away kit, only one signing coming in, a decent acquisition in fairness in Nathan Collins from Stoke for a reported £12 million, but more needs to be done in the transfer market. Is it the same old story despite new owners? Or are things going to happen over the coming days and weeks? That's the main question. Are Burnley ready for the new season? You're listening or watching Surfcast Podcast. So as I've said, a new season is upon us. We're taking on Brighton and Hove Albion on Saturday 
Um, and it already feels like a big game. I'm not going to lie. It already feels like it is a big game. We've got Brighton and then we've got, I think it's five of the next, um, well, five of the next six games or whatever, or, or the next five teams, I can't remember exactly, all finished in the top half last season. Of course, we've got Liverpool away straight after Brighton. And then Leeds at home, which you know, I, I still feel it can go either way, despite how good Leeds were last season. And then Everton away, you know, we've had some joy there, I suppose. Um, but we could easily, if we lose the Brighton game, be looking at a, a similar start to last season where we didn't get his first points until that win at home against Crystal Palace, which was, what, October? Um, so, yeah, I'll be looking ahead to the, the new season, previewing the new season here on this podcast uh, and podcast if you watch it on YouTube. Um, you'll notice that Simon isn't here at the minute. Don't worry. There, there is a, a quite a few changes to Turfcast this season. We're going to be doing two podcasts a week. Uh, we're going to lose the watch along in some weeks, but we're going to gain uh, a new show. Uh, we're going to do a, a post-match review after every single game, pretty much as soon as we can after the game. Of course, if Burnley are at home, it takes me about an hour to get home usually with traffic. So you're looking at half six, seven uh, for that live stream or, or a couple of hours after uh, that live stream if Burnley have been at home. If Burnley have been away and I haven't been able to get on the game, um, then you're looking at doing it pretty much straight away as soon as full-time. If Burnley have been away, for example, and I've got on the game, then maybe it's a Sunday job for the games on Saturday. Obviously, keep your eyes on our socials. You'll see when all the live streams are coming. But Simon hasn't left the show. He's not on it at the minute. Um, but he is going to be on... Um, we're going to do another stream, actually, this weekend uh, before the show. Uh, sorry, before the season and before the Brighton game on, on Saturday. So he will be on that one. I have spoken to him. He is still here. But there are going to be changes in other areas as I've mentioned. Um, hopefully, we'll still be able to do the watch-along. Like I said, there's going to be some away games that I, I can't get to due to, you know, life, uh, basically. Um, so if that is the case, then we will hopefully be doing watch-alongs. And who knows? Some people, uh, obviously, we had a, a team of people on Turfcast last season that helped us with the watch-alongs. If I'm on the game, but two or three of them aren't, for example, then there could still be a watch-along. Uh, just keep your eyes peeled, as I said, on our socials, and we'll keep everybody up to date on what we are doing. But for this show... We have invited Alex James onto the show. If you are familiar with the show and have listened and watched uh, in the past, you will be aware of who Alex James is. He, of course, the Burnley Football Club reporter at Lanks Live. And I've asked him on the show uh, because he did this big uh, preview pullout, which you could have got for free um, if you uh, uh, follow Alex on Twitter. He tweeted about it a few times. I say free, you had to pay for postage, um, but that was about £2.20. I'd not even, not even been that. Um, and he's done loads of Burnley content on that. So I thought, who better than already a friend of the show uh, and somebody who's done a big, massive preview um, for the season than Alex. And of course, uh, we all know that Alex can talk uh, and talk well and he's quite knowledgeable. He's already spoken to Dash. She was at the, the Cadiz game, or as he uh, has already told me, at uh, the Cadiz game. Uh, that just that just doesn't sound right to me. Either. It just sounds like I'm saying Cardiff very fast. Um, but, you know... We're from Burnley, as, as pronunciation of Spanish names isn't going to be the best. But like I said, I spoke to Alex earlier today. I got the law down on everything Burnley um, ahead of the upcoming season. So let's hear what, uh, sorry, let's see and hear, if you're watching or listening, what Alex had to say. Right, so first of all, Alex, thank you for joining us on Turfcast Podcast. Absolute pleasure. Nice to see you again. Yeah, like I was just saying to you off air then, I've not really done one of these since um, May. So I was just saying to Alex and off air, like, I've opened the software up that we use and I'm just like, oh, what do I do? I've totally forgotten how to do everything and the room wasn't well lit and I'm like, I can't remember how to light the room well anymore either. So um, it, it's been a bit of a usual couple of minutes. But yeah, it's good to be going again. Uh, and obviously, I think, sure, you'll think the same as well, Alex, because you're back doing the games. Now you went to the 
Caddy's game. How did that go? Cadiz, is it Caddy's or Cadiz? Uh, I think it is Cadiz, isn't it? If you, ah, if that's you, it. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even an option on my. There you go. If you're trying to be, they had a good that, go. If you cultured, yeah. If you cultured, had a good go announcing it at the stadium. They had a good yeah. go announcing it at the stadium like that. So, um, but yeah, I think uh, if you're Spanish, that's how you pronounce it. But I think Cadiz, for the sake of ease, yeah. is fine with me. Um, yeah. Yeah. For, first half, I actually thought Bernie played pretty well. Um, Chris Wood and Mate Vidra back up front and they sort of reminded us really that in my eyes at least they they should be the starting to come yeah. come the start of the season albeit they didn't take any of the chances they created but Burnley looked a lot better going forward with those two up front um, and then second half they just didn't get going they conceded a reasonably poor goal early on and never really they never really looked like scoring after that um, and then the usual trials of Eric Peters at left midfield and yeah. obviously Josh Brown all starting at right midfield. Then Aaron Lennon comes on um, and it just sort of emphasised that this squad needs a, a bit of help and Sean Dyche needs yeah, a bit Yeah, I was going to mention that because I remember seeing a tweet that you put up, which is something that we put up um, as well at this, uh, a similar sort of time. Like The lineup highlighted how threadbare we actually are at the minute. Yeah, I think the, when you look at the bench, it does. I think 1-11, to 11, if Burnley had 1-11 to 11 fit all season, um, I don't think there'd be any real danger of relegation, but as we all know, that isn't going to happen. It's just, it won't happen in football. You're going to get people picking up injuries. And in Johan Berg and Munson, we've had a player who's picked up more than his fair share of injuries over the last couple of years. So you lose him or you lose a couple of key players. You lose a, a Ben Mee or a, um, or a Dwight McNeil. And all of a sudden you're looking around thinking, have we got enough depth here to cope with yeah. that? And that, particularly out wide, obviously, and it's like, you know, it's an issue that everybody's well aware of. I'm well aware of it. You're well aware of it. Every fan is well aware of it. The the board and the manager are well aware of it. Yeah, it's been um, it's been something that fans, we've been well aware of since before, I think, even Lanks Live existed, before 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 the podcast existed. It's, it's been going on for years, this right midfield issue, and I, I have no idea where it's not been sorted out. But, yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. It's just something that... The depth is just not there, isn't it? Um, and it's it seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, it's good to see Collins coming, obviously. Bit of depth now at central midfield. Um, because we started last season with a lot of injuries with Jimmy Dunn and Kevin Longer at centre-back against Leicester on the opening day. And, and it sure didn't it. We got off to a poor start last season. Yeah, I think it was, was it two points from seven games off the top of my head. Yeah, and, was, yeah. and that, you know, you're playing catch-up before you've started there, aren't you? And as sort of links into the point we were making there, if you we have got Nathan Collins now who can stand in for perhaps long term will be a replacement for James Tarkovsky and could stand in for him or Ben Me if uh, if one of them picks up a problem early on. But he still never played in the Premier League and he's still only twenty. Um, I think it's a good sign and I think it is an indication of what Burnley needs to do more of, which is sign yeah. younger, progressive, up and coming players who are reasonably ready already, but have the potential to improve further. Um, can improve further under the management of Sean Dyche. We've seen it before, particularly at centre back. Could be sold on for a massive profit should an offer arrive. That uh, it sounds very easy when we've just summed it up there in thirty seconds, but that has to be the transfer <laughs> yeah. strategy linked in with you. You know, I, I don't see Wayne Hennessy as a particularly bad signing. I'm, I think. No, yeah, I agree. I think he's a good. Peacock Farrell's a bit hard done by. I felt, but if they don't deem him ready for the Premier League, then there's no point having him on the bench. We might as well get somebody who. Who they do think is ready enough for the Premier League, and in Wayne Hennessy, you've got someone who's played there for 
for donkeys year. So you still need that element of experience. But there's one thing this squad's not short of, and it's experience and it's Premier League okay. matches because we've got however many players between 28 and 33. And yeah, not many yeah. under not many under twenty five. No, everyone everyone seems to be either on the wrong side of thirty or to coming up towards the wrong side of thirty. Every every time I see Burnley put a uh, a birthday tweet up, it always begins with "Happy birthday to so and so who is thirty something today." It's always that. It's never who turns nineteen, who turns twenty. Um, but yeah, you've briefly mentioned it there, Aaron Lennon. Or should I start off with the curious case of Aaron Lennon because he came in originally as a trialist and was named as a trialist. And then it came out that it was Aaron Lennon. Um, and whether or not Burnley have just named him as Aaron Lennon now because everyone knows who it is, um, or because the fans were back, I'm not sure. But it sounded like at first it was coming in, or the, 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 the noises from the club was it was coming in just for fitness. But my argument at the time was if he's coming in for fitness, then he wouldn't be named as a trialist. Because I remember when David Jones came back as fitness, either last season or the season before, whenever it was, they were always open and honest about it. They're like, look, David Jones is here. He's, he's coming in as fitness. Uh, that's pretty much it. He's just training with us and he might play in a few friendlies. Whereas Aaron Lennon, it was like, he's here as a trialist. And like I said, the news came out. And now it is a case of Dash um, said something, which I think you put out in Lanks Live this week, uh, which started off as, as everyone is well aware, I didn't want to let him go in the first place. And that immediately said to me, was, right, he's here for a reason. Then he's, it looks like he's going to be coming in as an extra body. I think it's fair to say that would be what he's labelled as. But what's the latest on that? It is looking like he's going to be signing again, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Dyche was um, non-committal on that when asked directly. But all the signs, as you said, in the probably in the two minutes he talks about Aaron Lennon, where I didn't want to let him go. Um, he's fitting well. We're short in that position. They're all pointing yeah. towards, well, there's a deal here to be done. It's someone Dyche knows well. It's someone who fits that mould of um, experienced Premier League player who can drop in and hit the ground running in a position where Burnley desperately needs somebody. Um, so if you're asking me where my money is, I would say he's going to sign a short-term deal. I don't have that yeah. to any sort of concrete level as yet. Um, but that just it just seems to make sense all round from from my point of view um, and from Burnley's point of view. But as I, as I said at a piece yesterday, I think um, it's all well and good. And I'm not particularly against Aaron Lennon re-signing, as you said, as an extra body. And this is nothing against Aaron Lennon either, but Burnley and Sean Dyche surely deserve more than somebody coming in as an extra body. Why, why aren't we bringing somebody in who can actually affect things or directly compete for a, a place in the first eleven? And I spoke to somebody on Twitter recently, and when was the last time somebody signed? He went straight into the first eleven. Yeah, I've had this debate yeah. a few times. It's, it's Chris Wood, in it. And when was he brought in? 2017? He's had four seasons, hasn't he? So, yeah. Um, even even I, Charlie Taylor, I think Charlie Taylor was signed either just after or just before Chris Wood. I can't remember, but even he came in as originally as backup to Stephen Wood. Yeah, same with Josh Brownell, didn't it? I mean, he sort of forced his way in through mm. circumstances as much as anything else. And there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing sort of directly wrong with that. But to have that competition, and Sean Dyche always likes two players for each position, and that direct competition. You look through the squad now; we could all pick Burnley's eleven for. Mm. Um, for every game and we sometimes do these things with opposition journalists or who who might miss out who could come in and you kind of think well nobody because it's going to be yeah. the, it's going to be the same 11 as it was last yeah. time only up front really has there been any indication that it might sort of chop and change yeah it makes me laugh that because sometimes we do things with opposition podcasts and they always have like a i'll sometimes go on like a sort of a round table debate thing and i remember when we played liverpool last season they were 
they must have done a 15-minute piece on who's going to be playing for Liverpool. And I would have sat there in silence and they were like, right, Joe, you can you know have, have as long as you want now discussing the Burnley thing. And I literally just said to him, I said, I'll tell you Burnley starting 11 right now and just named it all off. And they were like, is that going to be the 11? I'm like, 100%. We just don't have enough players. But it's it's a worry, isn't it? And we're laughing and it obviously is funny, but it's a worry, isn't it? Because it's been like this for so long. And then it was like this under the old um, chairman and, and and whatnot. And now it's, it's looking like it's going to be the same again. I'm not one of these who's going to bash Alan Pace. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to give him time and stuff like that. I don't want to start slagging him off. I think you can't come in and change things overnight. But it is looking like the transfer window... Is somewhat the same um, in terms of that. Obviously, I'm happy we brought Collins in, but like you said, Dash and Burnley deserve more than than an extra body. So it's it's frustrating at the minute, isn't it? It is, and I'm with you on Alan Pace. And he's been what is it now? Eight months that he's been here, um, and you're right. You can't rebuild Rome in a day. And under Mike Garlic, it it, it was four million pounds spent on Collins. And I know there's an argument that you can say, well. Some of that was recouped from Ben Gibson and some of it's been recouped by Josh Benson, et cetera, et cetera. But it still is a it still is a net spend. Um, and it's still more than what we spent over the last yeah. X number of windows. And I do think that there's this thing where Collins signed so early in a window that it raised everybody's expectation levels, rightly, but I, I have to say, you know, it was clear that we needed more than one backup centre half. Um, and then six weeks have gone by and we're now about to start the season. And we're in that situation where the majority of business is done in the last month of the window anyway, particularly with major tournaments, particularly with the Olympics, Copa America, all that sort of stuff, by other clubs that has a knock-on effect. And now we're starting the season and everybody's like, well, we're in a worse, which Burnley are in a worse position squad-wise because Robbie Brady hasn't been replaced. Um, But there is still two and a half weeks, three weeks of a window left. It's just the fact that the season started has brought everything into sharp focus. And I'm always one who will um try and judge a window at the end of it uh but if it ended tomorrow then it's been it's been a terrible window really hasn't it it's not been any better than any of the previous four or five windows which (laughs) and i'm writing the same piece that i wrote in january and i'm writing the same piece exactly yeah as fans we're having the same conversation we've had since 2017 uh 2018 should i say obviously it's it's not enough people coming in and people not being replaced and it's a similar story like you say to last summer because last summer hendrick uh, and the rest of them were let go uh, lennon included in that um and then they weren't replaced and then this summer uh brady and a few others have been let go and again they've not been replaced so the squad is getting thinner and thinner and thinner um but i'm the same as you three two and a half three weeks left whatever it is i'll judge it then um Obviously, there's not. That's not all the incomings or potential incomings. There's been this roller coaster with Brazilian Arthur Gomez. I probably pronounced that wrong as well. What's the latest on that? Because last, yes, it all started off. I'm sure everyone knows who's listening. But it all started off yesterday when the European Santos club rep, all verified on Twitter and everything, tweeted uh, Arthur Gomez is going to Burnley. Um, he's been let go from whatever loan club he was at, uh, and he's on his way to Europe. Burnley Twitter went mad. I were all part of that. I were having loads of fun, to be honest. Sat on set here last night, tweeting all these Brazilian memes. It was loads of fun. Um, and then it's come out today. And then he follows Burnley on Instagram. Forgot about that one. So everyone's like, well, obviously it's happening. He's never heard of us before, I presume. And he's following Burnley on Instagram. And then he unfollows us this morning. And then I think yourself, Chris Borden, and um, a BBC journalist have all been saying... It's looking maybe like a no, or I think Chris Borden tweeted, don't get too excited. So now some people are taking that as 
maybe they've said don't get too excited as in is rubbish or maybe don't get too excited as in um, is not happening. So what is the latest on that? Because he's signing, then he wasn't. And then according to the club Santos, uh, Santos club rep now again, he says, well, I've still got the same information as yesterday. So we're all none the wiser at the minute. Yeah, I mean, I was the same as you last night. That was a name I hadn't heard. It was a name, it, let alone a name I was prepared to put out there, but it was a name that hadn't even cropped up in conversation. Um, it, it's probably the most unlike Burnley signing I could imagine. In that It's a 23-year-old from Brazil who has spent the last two years out on loan at two different clubs. Well, hasn't been first choice in either, but it came with some came from somebody, as you say, who seemed like a reliable source on social media and the club he was on loan at just which I won't even attempt to try and pronounce <laughs> then tweeted to say he's left us because there's been a bid from Europe so something yeah. is clearly happening um I, I just can't see that as a Sean Dyche signing it, it would just be it would go so against everything we've known and sort of um understood of what Sean Dyche is looking for in players and how he goes about approaching transfer business whether it's one that ALK have identified using yeah, that, that will going to be my next question. Yeah, and perhaps they've said to the manager, "Look, it's you know, it's two million quid or one and a half million quid, whatever it might be. Let's bring him in. If you want to sit him in the twenty threes for a season, or you want to sit him in the twenty threes for six months and see how he gets on, then let's do that. And maybe there's a bit of let's see how this uh, scouting system develops, and it gives the manager an opportunity to see what that scouting system throws up. I mean that. Yeah. That's feasible, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I think. I people, think. I think. I educate. I guess. I think that's what it is. But from speaking to people at this end, in terms of people connected with Bernie, it isn't something that anybody seems to be aware of. So, I guess we'll wait and see. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm like you. Like I said, I think that's what it is. I think because uh, Brett. Uh, uh, South American football expert, you wrote the article on today. He was speaking on TalkSport, forgot his name. Uh, Tim Vickery, he yeah. said in the article that you put up, um, saying that it's a similar thing to the Brentford model, bringing in these unproven um, people who have a lot of promise, but they haven't quite had the success yet. And obviously, it's got Brentford to the Premier League. Um, but that's a similar sort of thing, as you say, to the to the AI scout, the ALK, obviously, oh, make their money on or that they're in, in charge of or whatever. It's their business, should I say. So I think maybe it is something along them lines, whether or not, like you say, it's... Maybe people around this end don't know because it is a, an ALK, Alan Pace sort of thing and they're doing it rather than Dyche and, and, and you know the usual people that do it. Um, but like you say, it will remain to be seen. Now, you mentioned Josh Benson uh, as well. I want to go into Josh Benson because he's obviously left the club and gone to Barnsley for a couple of million quid. I can't remember again off the top of my head. Um, I was a little disappointed with this one. I'm not going to lie. I, do I think he's going to be Premier League quality sitting on our bench? No. Um, do I think he'll be back in the Premier League in a few years, now he's been sold. Yes, um, he's gone to Barnsley, and I don't know if you've seen the I don't know if you've seen the Barnsley game from the other day. It was a clip that Barnsley put out, and Josh Benson picks the ball up at the back of the pitch and just pings like a 40, 50 yard diagonal ball right across the pitch to one of yeah, their players, yeah. and it starts and it starts a move that they score a goal from. He's obviously got the quality. What was the thinking there in letting him go? And and also these bigger clubs like your Liverpool's and United's when they let a player like that go they will have a massive sell-on fee or, which is something I hope we have done, but I don't think we will do, it's sort of like a buyback clause for a certain amount. Is, is there anything in that of Burnley wise enough to have done something like that? I think I'd be very surprised if there isn't a sell-on fee. Um, in 95, 90, 95% of transfers these days that are cash transfers have a sell-on fee. So I'd be very surprised, given as well that he's 20, I think, 
21. It's not like he's 33 and he might not have another sale. So I'd be very surprised if that isn't in there. Um, although Burnley closely guarded over fees and contract, things like that. Um, I think, I mean, I personally, I'm with you. I don't think he would have broken through into Burnley's central midfield over the next 18 months, two years. Um, he's obviously a good player. He's done all right, hasn't he, when he's played and he's been sort of shifted out wide right a couple of times to almost be like kept an eye on by by the manager and sort of Dyche being able to coach him a little bit through games in the Premier League from the sidelines. Um, I, personally, I think it was just a combination of a good fee, not a great fee, but a decent fee. I think it was something like 650 thousand rising past the million pound mark which for a player who's played half a dozen games is is okay I think and a desire from the player as well to want to go and play and he was at Arsenal as he as a younger player before he came here so he's he's got that sort of desire to go and play um and if he's been offered the championship at a club that potentially are pushing for promotion then from his point of view it makes a lot of sense especially if he's going to go and play every week yeah I agree with that to be fair so if Josh has said he wanted to leave, and I guess there's not really much we could do. But could, could a loan not have been an option again? Um, not sure how much you know about that, but I think from a Burnley point of view, that would have made perfect sense. A year-long loan, something like that, reassessing when he gets back. Yeah, possibly. I, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I just think the combination of, and I'm, I'm speculating a little bit here, but what player wouldn't want to go and play? The combination of being able to go to a, and this is, you know, it's a top six championship club of last season. It's not going out and dropping three divisions. It's dropping about 10 league places. Hmm. Um, so the opportunity that he was afforded there on a, I think it was a four-year contract as well, a long-term contract. It, it, it's too good a move for him probably to turn down if the fee got to a level that Burnley deemed acceptable, which it obviously did. Um, yeah. So I, I can see it from all sides. In an ideal world, would you keep him and sort of, hang on to him and hope that he makes the grade at, at Burnley in two or three years, then yeah, I guess you would. But we've been saying before that Sean Dyche doesn't change the team too often and you have to have something about you like a Dwight McNeil to re- really press and push and get through as a young player ahead of people who've got 100, 200, 300 Premier League games. So I think probably best move all round. Yeah, fair enough. Um any more potential incomings then? I know we've been talking about transfers a lot, but it's that time of year. Um, yeah. Ryan Christie, um, that's that's come back up again in the last couple of days. He was linked a few, uh, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, wasn't he? That's all gone quiet. Now, I don't know whether it's just the time of year, as I've said. So, you know, as, as you know, you've got to fill pages. You've got to fill, you've got to fill um, website space or whatever. I don't know if it's just people putting one-on-one together and getting three. Or is there anything in that one? Um, not as far as I'm aware, it was a name and it's a name that's been doing the rounds for uh, probably 18 months, actually. It seems to have been yeah. pre-pandemic Ryan Christie to me. Um, I mean, I think that's a reasonable shout. I can see I can see the logic behind it and whether it's just people putting two and two together and thinking, oh, yeah, he seems a bit like a Bernie player. But the couple of people I've spoken to about him, admittedly not today, but previously, um, there hasn't been that. Uh, that interest in him from Burnley. Whether that changes over the next two weeks, I don't know. I think, speaking of transfers, obviously Burnley were very keen on Mark Brighton. Um, yeah. I think there was a optimism that that was a deal that could get done, and then obviously it didn't. This uh, Maxwell Cornet one still going along in the background where, again, there's an interest there, but there's a couple of other clubs interested. There's the usual 
um, sort of uh, stumbling block of where would he fit into Bernie's wage structure and um, what sort of price tag would be needed to get him out of Leon. And I don't think Burnley are willing to go sort of 15 Too million yeah. when, you know, that's Burnley's club record. And as Daish has said probably a hundred times, the, even with Alan Payson and even with a bit more money, it isn't a club that can spend 15 million and not get it a hundred percent absolutely right. Which is why I tend to see Burnley going for like your Chris Woods and your Josh Brownells, who they've been able to get a really good understanding of and know that will adapt to the English game. And they've got a, a database of 200 games. They're able to speak to people who might have coached them at under 15 level, which they can't quite do with a with a corner. So they ha- if they're going to get him and there is interest in him and they do want him, then it's got to be um, at a price that they feel like, yeah, that's going to 100% work for us. Or if it doesn't, we can write that off. I don't yeah. they don't want another Ben Gibson situation, essentially. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the Ben Gibson situation is sort of like scorned Daesh, hasn't it? I think I think that not working out has, has made him a little bit reluctant, as you say, to to want to spend that sort of money. But it is good to see that, that Burnley are obviously interested uh, in Maxwell Corner because obviously it's been going around for ages now. Uh, I wasn't sure whether or not it was just agent talk again, um, which we seem to be the victim of quite a lot, I feel. Ever since the Paul Lambert managerial situation around 10 years ago, I've always been a little bit um, scorned uh, again by that. Um, anybody else? Is there any... Because it, 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 went, it went quiet for a bit, didn't it? But it, it's the rumours have started again now, whether that's the time of year or not, or because Burnley are working harder behind the scenes. I think that's pretty much it, isn't it, at the minute, with the, in terms of incomings? That's it in terms of concrete names I can give you, yeah. I mean... As we've been over time and again, they need to bring in one, two wingers. Um, and I would be stunned if we were stood here on September the 1st and the only arrival between now and then had been Aaron Lennon. I just think, I don't think they'll let that happen. I think there's more of a desire and more of a, more joined up thinking now and a little bit more in the pot to enable um, Daesh to go and get at least one more on top of that, if not, if not more, but as ever time will tell. And as I said to Daesh on Saturday, identifying the players is the easy bit. We could probably sit there and identify 10 players that Burnley should go and get. So then a question yeah. is what money do they want? Do they actually want to come to Burnley? Do they look at Burnley and think that's where I want to be? Does a attack minded right sided player think that's the best place for me when Burnley have probably had centre midfielders playing out there as often as not? in the last two years. So all those things go into the into the pot and then it's price and then it's wages. And before you know it, that list that we might have had 15 names on is, is suddenly recedes to, to two or three. Yeah, well, the perfect example of that is obviously Maitland-Niles because uh, according to reports, Burnley were interested in him, uh, but he's not interested in coming to Burnley. Um, well, I think from Leipzig. As well from what... Oh, sorry, you are talking about Luckman there, are you? Oh, no, as far as it's who is it? Is it Leipzig then? Is it? Is yeah, it, it Luckman? Sorry, I've got them mixed up. I was talking about Maitland Niles, but yeah, the yeah. last I heard about Maitland Niles was that um, he didn't fancy he didn't fancy fancy coming to Burnley. Um, I think, I, 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 think it, I think it was a ge- geographical thing that one. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's the other factor, isn't it? And it's not just the sometimes it's not just the player, is it? It's the family, it's the other half, and yeah. all of those things that that come into play, but. At the end of the day, Burnley's not, you know, <laughs> it's not quite the middle of nowhere. It's still... <laughs> it's, well, that's it. Like, Manchester's nice. That's not far away. Burnley yeah, players live in Manchester and drive up. Yeah, most all live in Cheshire. Cheshire's lovely. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you, can, you can all live in, um, what's it called? Wilmslow. There you go. Yeah. Um, 
Luckman and Maitland Niles, if you're listening. Wilmslow's lovely. Wilmslow's lovely. Um, the season starts uh, on Saturday, though. Um, and I have your uh, big pre-season pull-out piece. This was free. It's not available anymore, though, is it, unfortunately, Alex? I, well, I will have to now go and double-check, but there was plenty of opportunities to order one if you haven't if Yeah, you haven't yeah I, th- I think you put a tweet out pretty much every day. I saw it, I saw it quite a lot. Um, I got myself one. It was free. All you had to do was pay for postage. So yeah. when I saw you tweet this out, I thought, brilliant. He's done a lot of words on the pre-season. He'd be perfect to talk about the uh, the pre uh, the upcoming season but one thing i do want to talk about that's that's the wrong page um is your piece on uh clarets here we go the headline is clarets can breathe easier by laying firmer foundations through solid start and the season starts on saturday we are recording this on monday um so what five days um and i am already looking at that brighton game we haven't even kicked a ball and i'm looking at that brighton game and thinking this is big and that's pretty that's pretty bad, isn't it? Because I'm looking at that Brighton game now and thinking this is big because our fixtures for the start of the season are Brighton, Liverpool away. Sorry, Brighton at home, Liverpool away, Leeds at home, Everton away. And then in between the Leeds and Everton, obviously, we've got an international break. And then Arsenal at home. So there's some tough games there. So the reason why I'm thinking why the Brighton game is so big is because we've got some tough games coming up after it. And if you look at last season... We had, as you said earlier, two points out of the first seven games. The first game that we won was in like October against Crystal Palace. We need to get off to a better start. The last time that we got off to a good start was when we finished seventh. That just shows what a good start can do. Um, but yeah, as I was saying then, I'm looking at that Brighton game and thinking, this is big. But that's weird considering it's the first game of the season. But at the same time, I'm I'm standing by it. I think, I think it's spot on. It's a big game, isn't it? Yeah, I'm with you there because, as you just said, then the next, I think it's the next six um, are against teams that finished in the top half last season. And then it's Norwich and then it's Man City away. And we all know what happens there. So you've suddenly got the opening nine games where you're looking at Brighton and Norwich as games that you need six points from. Um, And it just sets the tone a little bit as well, doesn't it? For for everybody, for supporters, managers, players. And I spoke a lot about it after that um, win at Chelsea in the European season, that it just sort of raised everybody's belief. And I know it's different when you play in the Champions away and you get three points as opposed to Brian at home, but it raises everybody and it's three points just close sets to at all, like you say. Three points closer to 40 before you've, before you've started almost. Um, and it gives you a bit more belief. And then if you, if you are three points from three games, come that international break, you've got two weeks to sort of reset. The window will have shut. Any business that's been done late, You've got time to bed these people in, and then you can you can go again for the next block before the the next October international window. So, I'm with you. I think lose that first game and continue to struggle in the window, and then suffer against Liverpool and Leeds, and or run into tricky fixtures, and things can start to look really bad really quickly. Um, but win it, sign a player, and suddenly the mood changes again, and. You know, if we get the manager's contract resolved, that's the big one for me. If the manager's contract is resolved, a lot of things can fall into place because you breathe a little sigh of relief that, well, he must be happy with the new ownership because he wouldn't have signed the contract if he wasn't. Yeah, Maybe someone like a Ben Mee or whoever it is who's out of contract next year thinks, oh, I should stay and I'll sign on for another two years now. And it can just knock a few dominoes down. So the sooner that's done, the better for me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that Brighton game, it, it needs a... A big W next to it in the um, in the scorebook. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm already nervous for it. And the season hasn't even started. But I did want to talk to you about them two contract situations. Uh, you mentioned Ben Mee. That wasn't one of them. Uh, we'll start off with Dashaw because you have mentioned it. I was told that the contract, you'll know more than me, uh, that the contract was agreed. Um, it just wasn't, that they, basically they needed to dot the I's and cross the T's. Uh, so they'd agreed the, the, the money package or whatever. Uh, they'd agreed up terms. That's, that's what I'm saying. They'd agreed terms. Um, they just needed him to to basically put pen to paper and to finalise a few details. But that was about six weeks ago now, maybe even two months ago. And it just hasn't been finalised or it hasn't been announced, as some people keep telling me. Some people keep telling me it is all done. They just haven't announced it. And I, I don't believe that for a second. I, I think I feel that with the way that the transfer window has gone, the club could have done with some good PR by sticking that announcement out if that was the case. So where are we at with the Sean Dash contract at the minute? Yeah, going back to what you were saying sort of six weeks ago when a couple of national, I think a couple of national journalists or certainly a couple, yeah. certainly one put out that it was going to be done and dusted in 48 hours or 72 hours or something like that. It, it was never that imminent at that time, obviously, um, as we've as been, as has been borne out. I think the, there's a grow, there's always been a confidence that from behind the scenes that it will be signed. I don't think it is at the stage that it's just sitting there waiting for the club to put a press release out. As you say, that I feel like that would have been done because they know what's going to happen in every interview Dyche does. He's going to get asked about his contract four or five times. And he's going to have to give the same non-committal answer four or five times to the likes of me. And we're going to go round and round in circles until it's resolved. Um, so I do, think it, I do think it does get done. And I do think there might be an element, and I asked the manager about it on... Saturday, an element of him waiting to see what happens and how things go. Um, and obviously there's been a fair bit of change over the last 12 months at the club behind the scenes and, and different people moving on and what have you and as to how things shape up under ALK and perhaps how things go under the window before he goes, yeah, okay, I'm happy enough with, you know, with the way things are looking and the plan we've got to go forward. Um, that isn't what he said. He, he didn't say anything <laughs> when I asked him. Um, but I do think there might be an element of that. and a, But I still think he signs. And I think where when you're Sean Dice, you can, okay, he can let his contract run out. But he's, unless he's prepared to sort of sit and wait for a job and leave at the end of his contract, he is just going to, he's going to have to sit and wait for a job. And I don't know where that next job for him necessarily is at the moment. Certainly in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, now Palace have appointed somebody. I'm, I'm, I don't know. My view is still that he signs, and I still think everything I'm hearing is pointing towards he will sign. Um, but it hasn't been. I don't think it's at the stage where everything's done and dusted, and we're just waiting to put the tweet out. Um, yeah, don't think it's quite there yet. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think it is a case of he's he's just waiting to see whether he's backed or whatever like that, or or to see. Go Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, no, hoping... just, just sort of like the same sort of thing as you. I just think he's waiting to to see whether or not he's backed in the market and whether or not to see if him and ALK are on the same page before he, before he fully commits. But it sounds like they have agreed the actual terms. He just now wants to see what life under ALK is like. I'm hoping to have an update this week on it. So keep your eyes peeled. There you go. I was going to say you heard it here first, but you had a teaser here first, everybody. You didn't actually hear it here first. Uh, the next one is, of course, the James Tarkovsky one. That's the, the main one at the moment. Obviously, his contract runs out at the end of this season now, um, as far as I'm aware. Um, and it's not looking good. The noise on that one has gone pretty much silent. Um, 
it's looking to me, and again, I don't know anything. Um, it's looking to me, just read between the lines that Tarky's happy just to let his contract run out, play an extra year here, um, and then go somewhere for free next season. Yeah, and it's not one I checked out in the last um, couple of weeks, but earlier in the summer, um, and indeed all of last season, that was the indication I was getting, is that he, um, as we know, he was ready to sort of leave and he was looking to make that next step to um, further his England ambitions as much as anything else. Um, Didn't happen for whatever reason, and we don't need to, probably don't need to revisit all that now, but I think now he has decided, well, I'll be a free agent in 2022. Burnley have signed Nathan Collins, I think, with half an eye on that happening. Um, I can have my maybe a broader pick of clubs because if he, you know, if he did want to go to a Man United or whoever it might be, he's much more appealing for nothing than he yeah. might be for Burnley demanding, even now, Burnley demanding a 25 million for someone in the last year because because Burnley can. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, as things stand, I think he will go on a free next summer, yeah. Yeah, uh, one final thing. I'll let you go because, obviously, you, you, I can hear your phone buzzing. I can hear, I can hear your emails buzzing. Uh, I, I hope I've not kept you too long and, uh, and your colleagues are desperate for some more um, some more work off you. Or maybe Sean Dyer should just sign the new contract and you've just found out. Well, fingers crossed on that one. Um, but one final thing. Um, any news on the away kit? I know you don't actually work for the club, so it's probably just people at the club that will know about this. Um, but where is the away kit? I'm desperate for this away kit. Have you heard anything about that? From what I know, this is a thing that it is sorted and is just ready to be pushed the button on. Um, yeah. I don't. I would. I mean, I, I think Burnley are probably the only Premier League club who don't have an yeah, away kit. I think yeah. as, as of this weekend, just gone. I think the the last two or whatever got their away kit out and released it. So we are now the last club, yeah. And you would imagine they're going to wear it against Liverpool, I would have thought. They did last year. Yeah, well, they can't wear the claret one, can they? So he would think so. I would would expect that this week. Uh, It might even be out before this podcast. Um, I don't know why it wouldn't be. And I I, I don't know. It's one for the club to answer as to why it hasn't been released already or why it's been waited to be released. But... I can't see why it wouldn't be released before the start of the season. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. I've been told it's white. I don't know if you know anything, but I've been told it's white. Fingers crossed. I like a white kit, so I'll be happy with that one. But fingers crossed to get it out soon. Um, I say that. I haven't even got myself the new arm kit yet. I'll, uh, I might nip down. Oh, it's half past three. I won't nip down today. I might nip down tomorrow or another day and get it before the weekend before we go on the turf. But, Alex, like I said, I'm going to let you get off now. You've obviously got a lot to do. There's a lot happening at the club. Um, well, there's a lot of noise about maybe things happening at the club, um, yeah. should I say. Um, so I'll let you go, but thank you for joining us on Turfcast. And I'm sure you'll be on a few times this season, just like every season that uh, you've been working at Lanks Live so far. Great stuff. Yeah, nice to chat as always. And yeah, anytime, give us a shout. So yeah, big shout out to Alex for coming on the show. Always a pleasure uh, to speak to Alex. You could hear his phone and his emails going 10 to the dozen. Hopefully that's the sound of some incomings or maybe a Daesh contract, or even a talkie contract. I know we've spoken about it, and he says he doesn't think it's going to happen, but you never know. Uh, Leicester could basically turn around and say, we ain't going to sign you even when your contract's gone. Uh, Fingers crossed, but as we've said, I'm not really sure that that's going to happen. But that's not any inside knowledge. That's just a gut feeling. Same with what Alex has just said. Um, But yeah, big shout-out to Alex. Thank you for coming on the show. Or you've enjoyed... Um, this episode of Turfcast as we look ahead to this uh, season, our next season in the Premier League, which, as I said, kicks off this weekend against Brighton. Hopefully we can get three points, 
But it is going to be a tough game. Brighton were a decent side last season. Uh, they've added well again. Um, and obviously, they, they have quite a lot of fans in, in the way that they play under Potter. Uh, that's a different debate. But fingers crossed we can get a result because I think we're going to need one looking at the, uh, the run of fixtures coming up after it. But let me know what you think in the comments below. Or if you're listening on, 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 on your podcast, send it us to Turfcast Podcast on Twitter. Get your predictions in. Let us know what you think the score is going to be as Burnley take on Brighton. Uh, but thank you for watching. And as I said, we will be doing another stream uh, with me and Simon um, before the season starts. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Podcast Network. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates have already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Ornament delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.